1: right, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe, to assure the survival and the success of liberty.
2: found the 22 november network the voice of the grassroots jfk research community this is the lone podcast with your host your boy rob clark Bringing zombies like a bastard out here Gunmen, contact. let If it's the manual, I'll say The 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 wrong Let fly the monkey of war!
3: What's up everybody and welcome to the Lone Gummin Podcast, episode number 23, Uh, Nutter Island. This is your boy Rob Clark coming at you. Uh, We will get into a little bit of research today, I promise you that. But I'm going to rant and rave just a little bit before we get into all that. Uh, There's a reason that this is called Nutter Island. Uh, We're going to take a look at uh, just what in the hell some of these people are thinking. So stay with me here, okay? You know, sometimes you feel like uh, the guy in the Hangover movie. You just want to scream,
1: what is going on?
3: And it all stems from a recent uh, run-in with some, a pack of Lone Nutters over on uh, Ed Gage's forum. Or his Facebook page, I should say. <laughs> and exactly what is it that makes a Lone Nutter tick? Is it some kind of uh, deep-seated want to be right or to correct other people, or be that professional skeptic that loves and gets off on debunking everything known to man, no matter what the facts, no matter what the evidence. You know, they pick and choose whatever suits their agenda, and (laughs) that's that's what they hit you with. And when you hit them back with facts and evidence, it's they deflect, deflect, deflect. And then they start in with the uh personal attacks or try to steer you into talking about something else. They never address anything that that, that somebody might bring up to them. It's always you know, they seem like they want to be the smartest guy in the room. Like they, they think they, that they hold something over you because they possess some kind of secret knowledge that you don't have. And another thing. Okay. If you believe the Warren Commission got it right. Okay. If you believe that, then what do you have to prove? Nothing. Okay. That's your story. That's, that's your belief. That's the official story. Okay, and, and and that's what you all have. You've got that. You've got Bugliosi's gigantic tome. You've got Case Closed by Gerald Posner. You know, you've got all these massive books. And you have all these TV specials that, that get across your point of view. And these movies, like Parkland, you know, that, that give the, uh, the the official view. You know, and they're the guys that make all the money from this stuff. You show me one conspiracy theorist who's gotten rich off of JFK. And you might be saying, well, Oliver Stone did. Well, yeah, he did. But you know what? He made a damn good movie in the process. Okay. It wasn't his views on JFK that got him to be a rich man. It was his conviction uh, to make a movie about Jim Garrison and do it his way and, and to the best of his ability that squared away with his beliefs. Okay, now, <laughs> as I've said before, you know, they, they, they have their things like Killing Kennedy by Bill O'Reilly, which is a joke. Uh, they got all their history specials, you know, like Inside the Target Car and all this other crap. And uh, it's just, it boggles my mind why that these people would care enough about something that they believe in to be right. To spend a good part of their time and their life dedicated to debunking other people and debunking theories. I mean, you know, people like Dave Rice, they they, they could go on and on and on and on about this crap. You know, he has a a huge website. So does McAdams. They have huge websites, you know, and there is good information in there. But you have to pick it out of all the crap. You know, and why? I just don't understand it. You know, if, if if you believe something and you believe they got it right the first time. I don't know. I just couldn't dedicate my life to, to, to debunking people that thought differently than me. You know, it's my right as an American citizen to question the government. It's my right to do that. And if I don't believe they're telling me the truth. And there's. A hundred reasons why I think they don't tell us the truth about things, and you know maybe they believe we're naive. Maybe they believe we couldn't handle the truth. Uh, maybe they're they don't want us to know the truth because it's very very evil. Uh, it's agenda driven. You know it serves a purpose that that us peons don't, wouldn't understand. Uh, you know, but back to the nutters. You know. <laughs> This guy's trying to argue with me about the, the blowout to the back of the head that umpteen million people saw at Parkland. Okay. Clint Hill. My point to him was that Clint Hill, you know, who, who spouts the official story, mind you, you know, he says in his book that he, he, after he got climbed on the back of the limo, he sat there and stared down into a gig- into a gigantic hole, fifth sized hole In the back of JFK's head. All the way to Parkland. Okay. And if I believe anybody. It's going to be him. Because he's two inches away from it. Okay. If I believe anybody. It's going to be the doctors of Parkland. That saw it. You know. Oh well they never turned him over. So they wouldn't have seen it. Right. Okay. I'm, I'm sure his head was. Stayed straight up the whole time. I'm sure that when they were moving him. They didn't see anything. I mean come on. You know. It's a joke. Everything they say is a joke. It can be refuted so easily. And, you know, I mentioned the Harper fragment to them. And and David Mannix work uh, with his optical densitromity. Optical densitromity. I'm probably saying that wrong. God damn it. But you get my point. Uh, You know, he did light tests on the x-rays that proved that there was a patch there. That was covering a hole in the his head. Uh, you know where the Harper fragment should have been, which brings me to another point. Okay, the this, this, this state of research today is getting out of hand as far as the community coming together. It's 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 gigantically divided. As a matter of fact, I mean, there's researchers out there doing great research, doing their own thing, and then you have This other faction who say they believe they're doing the right thing, but they're in fact perpetrating misinformation and, you know, I'm not going to get into specifics of who it is because if you hear in this podcast and you're on Facebook, you know who exactly who I'm talking about. You know, it's a distraction for it to be, to focus on such a minuscule aspect of the case as, you know, Hey, Lee Oswald was on the front steps of the depository when the shots were fired. Game over. It's that easy. He's an innocent man, you know, sorry, but it's not that easy. Okay. Okay. The people that perpetrate this theory of Oswald being on the front steps have no concrete evidence, proof, or expert analysis or expert testimony. And by expert, I mean an impartial expert. <coughs> because I'm not going to believe some guy that they hire, okay? And there's many amateur photo analysts out there, uh, you know, that whose eyes just don't lie. Okay, well, you can see obvious photo alteration from back then if you look at the backyard photographs. Okay, you can see the cut marks. You can see the insert lines. Okay. They're not there in the Alton Six. Okay, what they allege to have taken place. Okay, the, door, the doorway man's face would have looked like Freddy Krueger. Okay, they're, they're cutting and pasting like 20 different pieces of, Oz, of Billy Lovelace's face onto Oswald. And like I said, he would have looked like Freddy Krueger. Okay, they did not have this great Photoshop back then. Okay, you know. But for more on that, go back and listen to my episode number four, the Doorway Man, and and I explain everything in that. But it gets back it gets me back to the point of the of the the, the tactics of these researchers. Okay, there is no disagreeing with them. Okay you disagree with them, You're labeled a Kennedy killer. You're labeled, uh, uh, uh phony conspiracy theorist. You know, I'm a government op sent to, to take them down. You know, what does it take? Um, besides, you know, a couple tenacious people such as Joe Bax, uh, BP one nine, six, nine Kleepclot, Mark me, uh, Lance you know all of us us, you know we're nobodies really really we're nobodies but we take what we have as evidence and disprove every theory they have but they don't address it they don't address it I just heard Jim Fetzer on his last JFK show state so matter of factly that you know it was just a God given fact that Oswald was in the doorway and we have proven that Oswald was in the doorway beyond a shadow of a doubt. No, you haven't, you haven't, you haven't. There is so much doubt. It's not even funny. Okay. And you address none of it. You you know, you're, you're employing lone nutter tactics. Okay. You pick and choose what information suits your hypothesis and you ignore everything else. And then when, 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 Presented with evidence to the contrary, you deflect and you do personal attacks. That's what you do. Now there's also a hybrid class of lone nutter conspiracy theorists. It's it's the 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 conspiracy theorist turn lone nutter, okay, which is very rare because you know they've looked at all the things of the case, they thought there was a conspiracy. But the more they research, the more they research, they're convinced that Oswald did it, okay? Which, you know, I don't understand, but if that's what they believe, then then at least they've looked at the case through conspiracy eyes. At least they can do that. And I will say not all of those guys are bad. You know, I've had interactions with them, uh, people like Steve Rowe, uh, Kyle Gies you know, a, a lot of these guys, they're not bad guys. So Matt doubt it. I mean, he's, a, he's borderline, but <laughs> most of these guys are good guys. And you can actually have a conversation with them without it turning into a pissing match. Uh, you know, in fact, you know, I've even worked a little bit with Steve on, on some things and we'll get into that here after the break. Uh, But, what you know, and then, then, of course, you have your conspiracy theorists and your Oswald Innocence guys. And, you know, I don't try to peddle my own theories on here or, you know, what I think. I just try to give you information and let you draw your own conclusions from it. But from everything that I've seen and everything I looked at, I used to think that Oswald was totally innocent. And he was just a framed patsy. Okay, but the more you look into it, the more you look at what was going on in New Orleans, the more you look up what was going on in the months leading up to the assassination, you can draw the conclusion that Oswald may not have been as innocent as he seems. Okay, he might have known something. He might have done something. Okay, he might have shot at General Walker. Okay, he might have tried to go to Mexico to go to Cuba. Um, You know, now, does that mean I think that he was on the sixth floor shooting? No, it doesn't. Is it possible? Yeah, it's possible. Okay, but as I've said in other podcasts, the,
2: the,
3: the evidence that I've seen just doesn't support that. Okay. And no, I don't think he was on the front steps. Um, but that's my rant. I just think that, you know, we, we started this 22 November network to bring the community together and have a central place to expand your knowledge, to present your own evidence, present your research, uh, you know, for other people and, and for everybody to generally get along and, and play nice together. And for the most part, that's exactly what we have, and it's awesome. And Doug does a great job on the Dallas Action. Uh, he does a great job on Black Op Radio, as does Leno Sanik. And, you know, hopefully we're keeping you entertained. The numbers are there, and I thank you. I think we're only like four likes away from 100 on our, on our Facebook page. So if you haven't yet, head over there and like the page. And hopefully we can crack a hundred, uh, that'd be awesome. You know, but, uh, yeah, me and Doug's podcast are almost up to over between downloads and listens, uh, about 5,000 a piece. Okay. That's 10,000. Uh, that's crazy. <coughs> Craziness. Uh, but it tells us that people are listening. People want to learn. People want to interact. People want to, people want to hear what we have to say. So, We're going to keep saying it. Um, So right now, we are going to take a little break. Uh, I have something special for y'all. And I think you're going to like it. Ready for this? Here we go. We'll be back in one second.
2: everybody, this is your boy Rob Clark from the Lone Gummon Podcast, inviting you along with the JFK Historical Society to join us in Alexandria, Virginia, September 26th through the 28th uh, for the Warren Report 50 Years Later, a Critical Look Conference. Uh, it spans three days with such notable speakers as Doug Horn, Bill Simpage, Ed Tatro, the man himself, David Denton, uh, Phil Janney, Peter Nelson, uh, Gary Powers Jr., uh, Judith Baker, and a host of others. For more information, please visit changehistjfk.blogspot.com at c h a n g e h i s t j f k.blogspot.com or visit the 22 November Network site. Okay, we have a uh, post up there all about it with with, uh, the links you need and uh, all the information you need uh, to order tickets and uh, get more information on the speakers and pricing. Uh, We'd love to see you there. If you can't make it, 22 November, we'll be representing on the scene uh, with live tweets, uh, interviews, and uh, we're going to be giving you wall-to-wall coverage if you can't be there. But we'd love to see you there. We'd love to hang out. It's going to be a fun time. We will see you there.
3: And we are back. So let's get into a little bit of some research. Uh, bringing up Steve's name made, made me remember uh, something that a lot of people might not know about. Uh, and that's a uh, mysterious package that turned up in the dead letter bin. I believe it was the Irving Post Office. and It was a package addressed to Lee H. Oswald. Uh, I forget the exact street address, but it was uh, Nashius Avenue or Street. Nashius spelled N A S S I U S Street, uh, Dallas, Texas. Now, upon further inspection, um, or I should say further research, there is no Nashus street as it is spelled by Oswald in Dallas or Irving for that matter. Um, or in the United States, <laughs> there is one in South Africa, but, uh, don't think that's going to cut it. Now, what's interesting about this package is, is that when it was found by the FBI, uh, I guess the postal inspector called after the, after the assassination. It was a couple of days after, and realized he had a package addressed to uh, the accused assassin of the president, and now a dead man. So he called the FBI to the post office, and they came and got the package. Now, what's interesting is the only thing they say the package contained was a folded uh, paper bag uh, similar in, in uh, size and shape to the alleged bag found with the murder weapon on the sixth floor of the school book depository and of the same, um, same kind of paper. And also interesting is that the FBI states that the package was open when they got there. And the postal inspector claimed that he didn't open it. This is the way it was found. Now, ask yourself this question. Why would Lee Harvey Oswald? And I do believe it was Lee Harvey Oswald because it looks very much like his handwriting address a package to himself with a false address. Now, it's been posited that since he was so bad grammarly, a bad speller, that maybe he meant it to say like Natchez Street, N-A-C-H-E-S Street, which was actually right behind Beckley, uh, right behind his rooming house, pretty much, kind of, sort of. Uh, in fact, the, the address belonged to a row of, I guess, single-story units. Um, which he could have accessed very easily through his backyard. Um, but, of course, that's pure speculation because we don't know who was living there at the time. Uh, you know, we're thinking that maybe it could have been a Cuban safe house. Or, or, or something else. We really don't know. Uh, but back to the question of why would, why would Lee Oswald do this? Why would he send himself a paper bag? Okay. Well, being as the package was found open, or so the FBI says, and that all it contained was a paper bag, so the FBI says. Okay. One can speculate what this package actually contained. Uh, It could have been pictures. It could have been a note. It could have been a little notebook. It could have been a letter. It could have been anything. I mean, what if if Lee Oswald knew exactly what the hell was going to happen and did this, knowing full well that somebody would find this letter in case something happened to him? Uh, And, you know, he could be exonerated that way. Uh, Because maybe he knew he was being set up. And there's no way he could get out of it without putting anybody in danger. But this way, maybe he could save his own skin. Or, check this little tidbit out. Okay, there's an old trick in Spycraft. And upon looking and searching old spy tricks, I came across one Uh, you know, anybody that's that's looked into spying has come across you know, they have these dead drops you know, like it could be in the middle of a park in a hollow log okay, one guy will leave a package or an envelope of money in there you know, and then the next guy comes and gets it and this is how they communicate with each other without actually having to see each other excuse me Um, but there's also another trick. Um, if a spy has very important, sensitive information that they do not want to be caught with, or they need to put in a safe place for a little while, okay, the trick is this. They address the envelope to a bad address, but they use a name that they can use uh, later on, because they know, okay, a letter is going to attempt to be mailed to this fake address, and it's going to take them a couple of days before they realize, hey, okay, this address doesn't exist. It's bad. Okay, we're going to put this in the dead letter bin. And they generally kept things in the dead letter letter bin if, if nobody, if things with no return address, uh, the wrong address, or uh, the wrong person, they generally kept them. You know, for Couple of weeks, months, you know, until it got too massive and they would throw it all away. Uh, but what the spies knew is that at the very least, at least for a couple of days or a week or so, that this information would be safe uh, in some dusty storage bin in a post office somewhere. And all they had to do was put this sensitive information in the mailbox, any mailbox with no return address and a fake address, but the right name. And that a couple days later, or a week later, they could go into the post office and say, hey, I was supposed to get a package. Uh, here's my name. Uh, my name is Leah Oswald. I was wondering if you, if you had gotten anything from me. Uh, I believe my friend had the wrong address. And they would ask, you know, well, maybe check the dead letter bin. Oh, well, actually, yes, sir, Mr. Oswald. We have a package right here for you. Can I see your ID? Sure. This is me. I'm Lee Oswald. And he would claim his package. Now, what this thing could have could have contained is is up to your imagination, really. Could have been anything, but just the, the pure speculation and ramifications. And it's just a piece of evidence that. Not a whole lot is made of. It's been looked at. Nothing can really concretely be done about it. Um, It's just one of those things that make you go, hmm. Uh, You know, add it to the interesting pile. Which also leads me back to a note that supposedly Lee Oswald stopped by the FBI office to give to um, Jim... I think yeah, Jim Hosty or Hosty. It was a uh, short note. I don't know if he left it there for him or if he gave it to him directly. I want to say he left it there for him. He wasn't there at the time he got it. But you know what this note says, we'll never know either. Now Hosty knows what it is, and I have Hosty's book. And regardless of what he says it was on the paper, uh, it could have said anything, you know, it could have been, uh, Hey, the president's going to be assassinated, you know, this Friday, you know, do here it is. Here's a note. Do something about it. Okay. Cause we know Oswald was an FBI informant. So it's highly possible, uh, you know that he was infiltrating uh, a plot to kill the president, and he was letting the FBI know what was up. Um, you know, another Oswald anomaly in the in the narrative is his visit to the Atomic Energy Museum in in Tennessee. Uh, I believe it was a a day or two after he gave the speech at the Jesuit college. Um, and it's odd because you read the story of going to the Jesuit college to speak and the week before Oswald spoke, Clay Shaw spoke at the same college. Okay. That's odd in itself, but put together this. Okay. The Moretz. Okay. His uncle, his aunt, his cousins and his family, you know, Marina, pregnant Marina and uh, June, they make a two car trek. Okay. From New Orleans, Louisiana to, I think it was in Alabama or Arkansas, one of the two to the Jesuit college that his cousin was attending and that he asked him to speak at about, uh, you know, communism or Marxism or whatever it was. And, Uh, But anyway, the next day, or it was either the next day or or two days after, we have Oswald signed in at the Atomic Energy Museum in Tennessee. Okay, but there's no reference to this at all by Marina or or the Moretz. There's no other family members signed in. Uh, And if you look at the the, the roster, uh, the book, you know where you sign in the visitor visitor log you know what stands out is that about 90% of the visitors were from Texas uh, you know different different places in Texas but Texas nonetheless and you know members of each family they they would write down each name it wasn't just like you know Jim Bob would write his name in there but it really his whole family was with him. There's, there's instances where people have wrote multiple family members. Um, so the question then makes, well, what the hell was he doing there? Okay. You know, which takes us, uh, into a strange turn of events. If you believe Judith Baker and what she says about it, she says that David Ferry flew him up there, uh, to obtain, radioactive material so they could make contaminated uh, soup or whatever they were going to feed to Fidel Castro or whatever. But it was the radioactive material they needed to make this uh, rapid cancer or whatever, if you believe her. Um, if he was there, <coughs> and we get into the strange, the strange tale of a, of a man named Albert Osborne who we'll take a closer look at in a future podcast um but he basically Albert Osborne basically uh, accompanied Oswald to Mexico and according to the torbid document he ran a school for assassins in Mexico and was involved with a lot of the goings-on of, of, of the real Oswald in Mexico. And, of course, at the same time, I believe there was somebody impersonating him as well. Uh, we'll, we'll get into that in a future podcast. Um, so, yeah, there's just a couple of weird Oswald instances and weird uh, small facts that really don't fit in anywhere, but they're interesting nonetheless that I figured I would get out there because a lot of people don't know about them. Uh, so if you'd like to research them more, uh, feel free and let, let me know what you find out, uh, cause it's pretty much stonewalled everybody that's look, looked into it, but it's just, it's an interesting part of the narrative and, uh, you know, I don't know exactly what it'll take to, to bring this community closer together. Um, but I believe, uh, you know, it's going to take a, a respected a uh, notable uh, person in the in the uh, JFK community to to bring us all together and and set set the things straight. And I think uh, Gail Nix Jackson, twenty two November's own, Gail Nix Jackson, uh, is, is taking a step in the right direction. And I would urge everyone to go read her latest blog post on twenty two November entitled. Uh, The top five uh, JFK assassination myths. Myths. Uh, They're very interesting. It's a very great article. And I've seen her in action, uh, you know, speaking to these guys. And, you know, they treat her with the respect and reverence that they don't show to me or anybody else. So hopefully that's the key. That's the ticket. Uh, they can bring this all about and uh, cause we're all in this together if we're if we're conspiracy theorists you know it's just not going to be that easy that Oswald is in the doorway it's just not okay you know it's just not going to be that easy you're never going to be able to prove it okay and it gives people like the lone nutters fodder to laugh at us and say, ha, see, these dumbasses believe, think it was Oswald the door. Ha, 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 You know, we can prove that wrong. Blah, 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 blah. In two seconds, you know, they made us look like nuts. Like we're the nuts. We're the conspiracy nuts. And that's not what we want here. Okay, it's all about the research. It's all about getting answers and getting the truth. The truth, the truth, the truth out there. Okay? And together, we can do it, people. We can do this. Uh, all right. Well, my rant is over. My, my, I've said what I wanted to say. I could say more, but I'm not going to. Um, we're just going to leave it at that, and we're going to keep on fighting the good fight. Keep on perpetrating the truth, and fighting disinformation and misinformation, and shills, and lone nutters with facts, evidence, testimony documents things that they can't refute expert testimony things like that okay and speaking of Miss Gail Nix Jackson check this out
4: Orville Nix the missing JFK assassination film by Gail Nix Jackson the true story of an ordinary man swept up in extraordinary events Orville Nix took a home movie in Dealey Plaza of the JFK assassination. The original film is missing, and only copies exist. The next film shows the infamous Grassy Knoll sequence of the JFK assassination in Dealey Plaza. Why was it missing? What did Orville Nix see? Could the U.S. government and mass media be part of a conspiracy to hide the truth from the world? Orville Nicks, the missing JFK assassination film, is not the typical JFK assassination book. This book does not attempt to answer who killed JFK, but why we should question actions of the time and why the truth was withheld from the public. Written by his granddaughter, Gail Nix Jackson, in a narrative style, the book shares the story of Orville Nix and how he was intimidated, yet remained adamant to what he witnessed that horrific day. Orville Nix, the missing JFK assassination film. Available at GailNixJackson.com That's GailNixJackson.com
3: Awesome, Gail. Anyway, that's it for today. This was in the can, up to the satellite, beamed directly to your ears. This is your boy, Rob Clark, thanking each and every one of you for listening, and liking, and sharing. Keep up the good work. Uh, keep fighting the good fight. We're in this together, people. Rob Clark is
1: out. Says she's dying. Through the door I hear her crying, why? I don't know. Round here, we always stand up straight. Round here, something In her hand, she says she'd like to meet a boy who looks like us, and she walks along.
2: The voice of Clay Shaw is not the voice that identifies Clay
1: butcher. This cat's kosher, you know. So what? So he's kosher, I don't know.
2: Huh? So you just picked two names out of the air. Right. Now why did you do that? Well, I, I don't know what he's up to. He's picking me like
4: chicken, shucking me like corn, throwing me like an oyster. I mean, he ain't put nothing down but ass. Pain is temporary. Pride is forever.
0: You do it right to save because you work too hard for your money not to. Lowe's is here to help with special Labor Day savings throughout the store. When you buy a DeWalt two-tool combo kit featuring a drill and impact driver, you get a DeWalt Bear Tool for free. Choose from a reciprocating or circular saw, angle grinder, or 20-volt battery, and update your appliances and get up to 40% off select appliance special values. This Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Tool offer valid through 828. Appliance offer valid through 911. U.S. only. You do it right to save because you work too hard for your money not to. Lowe's is here to help with special Labor Day savings throughout the store. When you buy a DeWalt two-tool combo kit featuring a drill and impact driver, you get a DeWalt Bear Tool for free. Choose from a reciprocating or circular saw, angle grinder, or 20-volt battery and update your appliances and get up to 40% off select appliance special values. This Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Tool offer valid through 828, appliance offer valid through 911, US only.